Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Amen. Well, good morning, Harvest. Good morning. Uh, If you're new here, we want to welcome you guys again. And if you call this place home, it's glad to be home. Um, We do have a shorter service, if you didn't hear, because of our town hall meeting. Um, And that's why we're diving right into the message right away. But one of the things that I want to always remember is that here at Harvest, we're here to help others take their next steps in their journey of faith. My name is Jeff Abira, and if you don't know me, I'm the next-gen pastor here at Harvest. And in the past two weeks, we've been in a series called Disciple. Everybody say Disciple. Disciple. Amen. We've been taking a deep dive into that Christian word that we throw around all the time, maybe even on a weekly basis, right? And the series is purposed for us to be aware, but also, I think, evaluate, especially for those of us who are following Christ for a long time, um, evaluate where we are when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, and even challenge the ways that maybe we have approached discipleship in the past. In week one, we learned about the importance of baptism. And in week two, we were reminded of the understanding of obedience and how obedience is one of the greatest ways we can offer worship to God. Now today, my focus is going to be a little bit different. It's not just going to be about the decision-making process of discipleship, but it's going to also understand our response as disciples. And the reason why we make these decisions is because it's out of a response of God's love, his generosity, his gentleness, and goodness. So if you're a follower of Christ, please repeat after me. Say, I am a child of God. I'm loved by God. And I am the light of the world. Amen. I want you to take a look in this room real quick. Take a look at the people around you, maybe behind you, in front of you. And I want to ask this question. Who was the person that helped non-Jewish people come to Christ? Who was the one who started the revolution of Christian Gentiles? Anybody know? Well, today we're going to study that disciple, and that disciple's name is Peter. Everybody say Peter. Peter was one of the key people in spreading the gospel to non-Jews. And we see in Acts chapter 10 and 11 just expanding it. It goes crazy. And the reality is we are an extension of his influence. Out of all the disciples, I think Peter is a prime example, especially for those of us who we are Gentiles. Prime example of what it means to be a disciple and why he devoted his entire life to the gospel. We're going to be in John chapter 21 today. And I was going to do the whole chapter, but since we're a little bit short, I'm just going to cover verses 4 through 9. And I know this is a very popular passage that maybe many of us have heard and have studied. Even at the Congregational Retreat, the Next Gen, uh, we covered this as well. But I want to go a little bit um, and hone in on one specific part. So to give you a context, this is after Jesus' crucifixion. 
This is after the resurrection. And more specifically, when it comes to Peter, this is the first time he's going to see Jesus after the resurrection, knowing that he rejected him three times. So here, Peter is already, we can assume that he's down, he's depressed, full of regret, and also shock. So I'm going to read verses 4 through 9, and it says this. It says, At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a 100 yards from shore. And verse 9, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. Amen. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, as we take a look at your word, God, we declare and that we proclaim that it is living and active. And Lord, I pray that as we look at your word today, that we would not just read it, but we would allow the word of God to also read our own hearts. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you at this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Last time I preached in the adult service, the main service, I preached on faith. And one of the things that I talked about was how our faith is not limited to our five senses. But I do want to mention today that our five senses can directly be affected by our faith. What we see matters. What we see matters. What we hear matters. Because what? Faith comes through hearing the words and the words of the word of God, right? But I want to even go a little bit further and say that even smell can affect and influence our faith. Everybody take a little sniff real quick. A little. Smells fresh in here, right? I hope it does. I hope it does. At least the person next to you, right? If you think about it, Smell is so powerful, so powerful. Research has shown that smell, emotion, and memory are all linked together very significantly. A couple months ago, Seeds uh, and Sushi rented out one of the movie theaters. And right when we walked in, the youth group or whoever went, what do you think of when you walk into a movie theater? You think of the smell of... Popcorn, And it puts you in this mood of excitement, anticipation, and wonder. Now, if you think that's just by coincidence, you're wrong. It's not. Psychologically and through research, movie theaters actually do that on purpose. When you walk into a Starbucks, there's a certain smell when you walk in, right? You feel a little fancy, like, ooh, I'm getting some Starbucks, Did you know that Disney World spends an extreme amount of money on scents? You may not know that, but they've done extensive research, and they spend a huge part of their marketing budget 
on smell. They call it multi-sensory marketing. I, w- I used to work at a car wash before I came to Harvest here. And my CEO, uh, he was so in tune with the senses that every time you came to the car wash, you would be given free air fresheners. And the reason why he did that, because he knew the moment that they have that and the moment they have the clean car, there's a memory attached to it. And it feels good to be clean and to understand cleanliness. There are three types of smells that I want to talk about here today in the scripture. And it sounds a little bit weird, but just track with me. The first smell that we see here in the scripture is charcoal. Everybody say charcoal. Charcoal fire. If you've ever smelled a barbecue, you know when it's charcoal cooking, all right? And in the scripture, it says when they got there, in verse 9, it says, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. When I put myself in Peter's shoes, I believe that before they even got to that breakfast, where Jesus is like, come on and eat with me, right? I believe that they smelled the charcoal first and foremost. And that's why I want to cover it today. When this occurred, the smell of charcoal immediately, just how I was talking about memory, I believe immediately had an effect on Peter. Why do I say that? You know, I think there's only two places in the Bible, or in the New Testament at least, that talks about charcoal. And the other place in the Gospels that talks about charcoal is a couple chapters right before. So we're here in John chapter 21, but when we flip back to John 18, it says this. It says, the woman asked Peter, you're not the one of that man's disciples, are you? Referring to Jesus. And what did he say? He said, no, I'm not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. So if you think about John 21, there is a specific reason why Jesus was cooking over a charcoal fire. And in that moment when Peter smelled it, I believe that he had excitement to see his God, but then he had a deep, deep moment of remorse and regret because maybe when he smelled that charcoal, it reminded him of the first time he denied Jesus. You know, in the same way sense can bring powerful memories of good things, it can also trigger negative emotions from the last time you smelled those things. I believe in that moment he was hit with his own sin and was looking straight in the mirror of his own heart. I don't think I shared this in our main service, but I have shared it a couple times with our youth group. Um, But we went somewhere recently that brought back memories for me. And... They weren't good memories. I smelled something, and it put me back into a dark place. Preface, I I no longer do this, okay? God has changed my heart. Years ago, I was a thief. Uh, You could put up the picture of me as a young boy. Actually, I was younger than this. 
I was a thief. I was a hustler. I was in the streets, all right? And I was an accomplice of a continual act of sin for many years. Now, from the ages of 8 to 11, every time my youth group would go to a certain area, it was a certain theme park. I'm not going to say which theme park because, you know, I might get in trouble. But it's one that we just went to. <laughs> all right. All right. Don't jazz me. Okay. I was a young, young boy, rebellious, but God changed my life. So this is what would happen. I was, this is, I was probably like 12 here, but I started when I was 8 years old. Okay. And I would go with the older youth group kids. Youth, older youth group kids, okay, you have influence. I right, use it for good. They would, t- they would say, hey, c- come with me. I was a lot cuter like, than this when I was eight. Once I started hitting 11, it didn't work as good, okay? So eight years old, they say, all right, this is what we need you to do. They look in my eyes. And they say, you just follow our lead. And when we ask you questions, just say yes, okay? All right? And then when we get there, just say Act like it's true. Okay, so we walk up to this shop, and the shop is still there. It's the funnel cake shop. And the plan was, when we walk into there, we skip the, reg- uh, the register, and we go straight to the pickup area, right? So we're walking in. I'm nervous. Heart's pumping. Boom, 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 boom. First time, I remember. The smell of the funnel cake. It was amazing. And then we walk up to the, the pickup line, and they, they whisper, you ready? ready. So we wait for the time when it's busy, lots of customers. And I remember we always waited for like a younger, like babysitter looking like teenager girl, like someone who might babysit your aunt's kids or like your neighbor's kids, right? And I would walk up first and they would say, oh no, we dropped our funnel cake. And then they'd look at me and I'd say, yes. We dropped our funnel cake. And then the, the, the person who does the food, she looks at me like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You must be so sad. What kind of funnel cake was it? And then I look at the youth group kids, and then strawberry, right? It was strawberry. And she goes back. She grabs the funnel cake. And then I forgot my line. I was supposed to say ice cream, too. So I was like, I'm sorry. There's ice cream, too. I'll be right back. Gives us two scoops of ice cream, a funnel cake. And I remember the first time we walked out of there, there was so much shame and sin and guilt in my heart. But then at the same time, I was like, oh, my goodness, it worked, right? And I began to eat that funnel cake. And I did that probably for three or four years after that. And just keep in mind, I had a pass you know, for the season, and um, we would always do it. I remember years after that, we were at a, a county fair, and there was funnel cakes there. And I had the funnel cake, and when I was eating it, I had so much shame and so much guilt, right, that that was actually the last time I had funnel cake. We went to uh, this place, you know, has some flags <laughs> uh, recently, and we were pulling into the, the, the parking lot, and immediately the youth group leader started texting me pictures of funnel cakes. <laughs> oh, repent, Lord, forgive me. And then we walk in, 
in the, the place, and then I'm with my group, and we walk past the funnel cake shop, and they say, hey, you want to go get some funnel cakes? Oh, bro, shame and guilt. And I felt the weight of my sin. What am I getting at here? When Peter ran up to Jesus on the beach, he saw a fire, but the closer he got, it was a reminder of the sin that he had in his life. It triggered actually the first denial that he had with Jesus. Well, right before that, he was saying, God, I will never, or Lord, I will never, you know, leave you. And it was that first denial that made it easier for the second denial. That made it easy for the third denial. If it wasn't for that first moment around that charcoal fire, then he wouldn't have denied him three times. Some of us in this room, when I say a sin that you are very shameful of, maybe you're reminded of it right away. Maybe even recently you did something that was actually embarrassing. Maybe even recently you're reminded of the ways that you fell short in the way that you hurt God or the people that you love. But today I want to say that as disciples of Jesus Christ, the reason why we continue to follow is because we must remember that throughout our journey in following Christ, there will be many times where we will fall short of God's commands. But as children of God, we must know that we are fully known, but also fully loved. So the first one that he smelled was charcoal. I believe the second thing that he smelled was fish. Everybody say fish. Walking up to Jesus, maybe this smell of fish reminded him and activated a memory of when he was first invited by Jesus to follow him. So there was mixed emotions. There was an emotion of regret, but then an emotion of remembering that God invited him. And remembering that from the time he was invited to even the time after he sinned, the love remained the same. Think about it. What did he do? He invited him to some breakfast on the beach. The same thing he would have done even before the denial. Our God is a God who loves us, and he is a God of comfort, even in our lowest. At our congregational retreat for the Next Gen uh, Ministry, Pastor Genu, he was preaching about how even the item of fish was something that brought comfort to a fisherman. Even the, the choice of food brought comfort to Peter. In the Bible, it says, My flesh and may, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I learned several years ago that one of the biggest reasons why we as Christians get discouraged and maybe stop growing in our faith is three different things. And the first one is this. It's a lack of progress. Maybe before you were going so hard and you're growing so much and then something happened and then it slowed down. A lack of progress. Or maybe you're a follower of Christ for five years, two years, 20 years, and you're still struggling with that same temptation. We get discouraged because of lack of progress. Another thing is we get discouraged because of a thing called comparison. Everybody say comparison. Comparison. We have social media. 
We have all these things. We have people at church. We see people serving in ways maybe we want to serve. And we compare ourselves. Maybe we compare ourselves to even other churches, other small groups, other parents, other kids who get in this college. And then the third one is this, maybe a reminder of our past failures. This is where the enemy will attack us the most, I truly believe. So the number one is lack of progress. Number two, comparison. And third is a reminder of past failures. And here in the scripture, we see, again, Peter is reminded of a past failure. Reminded of a past failure. Pastor Dave, uh, he gave a message a few years ago, and he was sharing with me. And there was one thing that he shared in there that really hit me for this message. And this is what he said. He said, with God, failure is not final. He is the God of second chances. I want to encourage you all, if you're feeling discouraged in your walk of faith, pick up your cross again and know that failure is not final. This past month, I want to share a praise report, an incredible, incredible praise report. This past month, uh, Peter Lee, for one of the Sundays, gave an awesome message um, just about the gospel and his own personal story of following Christ. And after that, we, we went in our small groups. And during our small groups, we were talking about our greatest fears. And I had, uh, I think, the sixth or the seventh graders. And some, some people were saying, man, I'm so scared of heights. Some were saying, man, those roller coasters, I can't do it. And there was one little boy who changed the dynamic of the small group discussion. And this is what he said. My greatest fear is to see God and hear, I never knew you. And in that moment, we went a little bit deeper in our faith conversation, in the gospel message. And we started talking and what it means to follow Christ and the cost it is to follow Christ. And right after that, I asked the question, is there anybody in my group that wants to follow Christ starting today. And before they answer that question, they ask another question. But how old do we have to be to follow Jesus? I was like, how old are you? Right? They're like 11, 12. And I just shared that was the same age where I decided to follow Christ. So if you want to follow Christ, raise your hand. And two of the kids out of the four raise their hand like this. And it wasn't like this. It was like this. And they say, I want to follow Jesus. Those two boys is Luke and Levi. Can we praise God for that decision? Yes. Amen. I believe they're serving in seeds today, but encourage them as they start this faith journey with Christ. Truly, truly an incredible moment. I want to say this and remind us as followers of Christ, sometimes all it takes is a question. And sometimes all it takes is a moment. It doesn't have to be a crazy revival. Honestly, that was just a super chill small group of four kids. This can happen in your homes, over breakfast, over a meal, over a car ride. When Peter smelled the fish, it was a smell of kindness. 
And the last thing that I want to share about is the last thing he smelled was bread. Everybody say bread. The smell of bread. I believe when Peter smelled that, maybe it could have activated the time of the feeding of the 5,000, right? Maybe even the fish did that. Or maybe the bread could have brought a memory of the Last Supper where he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Notice here that out of the three smells, one pointed to the reality of the sin. And the other two smells pointed to the reality of love conquering that sin. In the Bible, in Ephesians 3, it says, May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints how wide, how long, high and deep is the love of Christ. The Bible also teaches us that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. In closing, I want to share a story about an actor, old school actor, uh, from like the early times of movies. His name was Charles Lafton. And there was one day where Charles Lafton, he was at a Christmas party. And they were talking about the different things in the Bible. And they landed on the scripture of Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, of course, because he's like, you know, the famous guy in the family, they all tell him, hey, you know, tell us Psalm 23 with that acting voice. So he, he said it from memory. He said, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, right? He leads me on paths of righteousness sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, right? So he says that. And they're all like, yeah, amazing. And then they started going around, all taking turns, saying Psalm 23. And there was this grandma in the corner, sleeping. And they go to her, they say, hey, grandma, it's your turn. And she's like, well, right, wakes up. And she's like, what are we doing? And then they're like, oh, we're reciting Psalm 23. Psalm 23, she gets up. She changes the, the way that she's sitting. And in her old voice, she goes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And she starts really getting into it. Tears starting to roll down her face. He lies, leads me beside still waters, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then she begins to think about the time she's going to go to heaven because she's almost there. She says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the last part, she looks at everybody and she says this. She says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
The moment she stops, everybody's crying. Everybody's in tears. And by the end of the night, they ask themselves, what was the difference between the way you said it and the way grandma said it? And this is what he said. He said, I know the Psalms, but she knows the shepherd. Why do I say that? I say that because as disciples of Christ, just like PD said, we could go to church, we could go to small group, but still not truly be discipled or be a disciple. Our hope and our prayer is that it would extend way out of Sunday morning, way out of your small group, and that you would just not know disciples, but you would know the shepherd. That you wouldn't just know the scripture, but man, you would walk with the shepherd. Guys, we are so sinful, but I want to remind us that everything we do can still be covered by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Some of us have hurt others, and we feel the guilt and shame. And it's blocking us from tasting the beauty of the gospel. And I want to encourage you today and say, man, remember who Christ is. Remember the one who's inviting you. Our God is not a God of guilt and shame, but our God is a God of freedom. Amen? And that is why he went to the cross. Scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us. So as we close today, I want to encourage you to know the shepherd. And as we look at the life of Peter, remember that even in his journey, the reason why we are Christians is because the one who was imperfect was perfected by Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the one that we call good. God, I pray that you would remind all of us for a moment, right now, even the times of our own failures, our own sin, the way we have maybe spat in your face sometimes, in the way that we have lived our lives intentionally sinning against the perfect God. God, remind us of that for a moment. But then, I got, God, I pray that it would be overwhelmed with a sense of your love because your word says love covers a multitude of sins. So God, I pray that in the moment of, of understanding our sin, we would also understand in that same moment just how powerful your grace and your mercy is upon our lives. God, I pray that we would know you, the shepherd, more than anything. As we continue on with your eyes closed, man, I just had a prompting on my heart just right now just to pray for those who are new in the faith. Maybe for Luke and Levi who just decided or even some people in this room uh, I've talked to a few people even this past month. You're, you're starting your journey. And, and we want to pray for you guys. So as Harvest Church, let, let's pray for those who are newer believers or maybe even those who have left the faith and recently came back. Let's pray for them. Whatever God leads you to, uh, just say a prayer for them in your heart. Let's pray. And then lastly, if you can just uh, pray a prayer for... Um, your own hearts, that there would be a fresh renew, renewal, 
a fresh revival from the inside first, and that it would overflow out. Let's pray for that specific prayer. God, we pray for revival from the inside out. Nothing fake, but something truly that only comes from you. Take a moment to pray that prayer, and then we'll close in a song. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.